Okay, I, I think we might be live. <laughs> let's let's hope that we're live. Welcome everyone to uh, Unsafe Space. Uh, I'm your host Carter Laren. We are doing the normally Thursday show that I do with Carrie Smith called Deprogrammed. Uh, but today we have an extra guest besides my co-host Carrie, uh, Mikey the Harlow. Carrie, do you want to take it from here and just uh, tell us what you've been up to and uh, what you guys are here to talk about? Um, yeah, so Mikey, it's one of my, I know we talked about on the show about how when you leave the ideology of what I call the SJW left behind, you will not necessarily lose a lot of friends. Um, but one of the positives is that you'll make a lot of new friends and actual, let's say actual loyal people who like you for who you are. That's very true. And not just because you're believe. So Mikey's one of these new friends of mine that I really enjoyed um, talking to. And we came to DC to be part of the walk away movement. And we did um, we did an interview yesterday on CRTV with Gavin McInnes. And we were just talking about why we left the left. So, yeah. let, so let's let me wait, let's pause here because I realize I didn't really do too thorough introductions. I think most people who've watched this before know who you are, Carrie, former SJW, all around awesome gun toting woman. Uh, <laughs> you gotta teach me. <laughs> but um, but Mikey, I don't think a lot. Uh, no one in my audience probably knows who you are. Um, can you just give us a little bit of background and also tell us what the hell the walk away movement is? Because I actually, ha honestly, I hadn't really heard about it until Carrie. Um, well, Walkaway is just a bunch of us Russian bots who are just, you know, beeping and bopping and, you know, doing what they tell <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, no, uh, my name is Mike Harlow. Uh, I'm a writer and actor from New York. Um, former Democrat, former leftist, former all these things. Um, I'm sort of like Carrie, and I guess you too, though, that I'm more of a classical liberal. I'm not really a conservative or a Republican or anything like that. Um, but yeah, walk away is basically people walking away from the Democratic Party and the crazy progressive left. And, you know, for a lot of them, it's sort of become more like pro-Republican, a lot of them are for Trump and stuff like that. But there is also a lot of intellectual diversity amongst us that you would also have classical liberals and independents and libertarians and centrists and all these things like Perry and I. Mm -hmm. It's much more diverse than the part of the left I used to be. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like the left has become a lot more diverse, which is one of the reasons that you and I are talking about it every week, Carrie. It's become a cult. Um, yeah. The SJWs have you kind of... literally look up any of the official warning signs from any cult prevention groups, it has every single one. <laughs> Loss of sense of humor, uh, fear of outsiders, catastrophizing, every single one of these. Yeah. That's uh that would be a good episode to just walk through and do actually that's that's a good idea. Um, thanks for the show idea, Mikey. Um, you're also working on you're producing a show called Cigarettes and Valentines. Do you want to tell people what that's about and how they can support it? Yeah, it's uh, a scripted series. We go into production in the next couple of weeks. We uh we have a successful Kickstarter campaign and uh, Cigarettes and Valentines is a scripted comedy drama series that's sort of about being gay and single in the postmodern world, in this grinder world. Um, and it's sort of from a punk rock perspective of this old soul punk rocker who really wants to find love and wants a relationship, but then has to coexist and date amongst the dating, dating pool of these postmodernist automatons that he has nothing in common with. And so it's sort of a, you know, funny, tragic, dramatic, all these things, commentary on the of modern gay community. 
is being in the well, gay community like being in NPC hell right now? Is that is that what it's like? It's actually yes. Trying to date when you're dating people or gay NPCs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. Super <laughs> you can imagine that the, the industry loves his Love me. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you could just take it to to Castro and knock on random doors and get funding with yeah. it. Yeah, right. Be. Um, oh, I was going to say also that uh, if you want to, uh, we had a successful Kickstarter campaign, and so we go into production soon, and we're still trying to raise more funds if we can. If anyone wants to contribute, we have a PayPal and stuff. So follow us, uh, Cigarettes and Valentines, on Facebook, or it's Facebook.com/slash Cigarettes and Valentines TV. It's and you're hilarious. Mikey the Harlow on Twitter, right? On Twitter or um, Mike, uh, Mike Harlow on Facebook. Okay. Instagram, Sleepy Harlow. <laughs> like, if I'm going to go full whore. Fair enough. <laughs> so uh, let's. I, I want to get into um, some of the issues around the gay community and and um, how they've been presenting themselves. But I, before we do that, I I still want to. I still want to get back to a little bit of the walk away stuff. There's like a march. The so walk away, my understanding is it's a movement of people who are leaving the Democratic Party because they feel like it's too constraining and there's kind of a uh, very rigid expectations for what their belief sets can be and who they who they can be friends with and, and what they can think. And so walk away seems to be this movement of people leaving. And there's actually a march happening at some point in D.C. Is that all correct? Wow. Can you just tell me? It's happening tomorrow. And also... Um, Mikey is one of the guys behind the original Walk Away video. He's friends with Brandon um, Strong, and so he shot the first video for him. And I don't, I don't know if we, he knew, did you know at the time it was going to be as big as it. I knew the video was going to be huge. I kept telling him that. I, I even I didn't know that the whole campaign would be what it's become. But I think it really has given voice to a lot of people. It helps people um, find each other. And the thing is, too, just okay. to go back to what you were saying about the diversity on the non-left, because um, I don't even really know, you know, probably not the most artful term, but I don't, it's not even necessarily the right. Um, you know, I first met Brandon because he had a party uh, at his place of, like, gay Republicans. So, you know, I'd already been cast aside by all these liberals. I was like, oh, these are the only people who will accept me that I can get along with. So I went there, though, and I was really surprised that amongst those people were, you know, Bernie voters, Hillary voters, Trump voters, pro-choice, pro-life, pro-Trump, anti-Trump. You just will never see that type of intellectual diversity on the left. If, like, I can't, you know, and with those people, you can disagree with them and be friends and have a conversation. If, and every time that I had done that or been in that experience with leftists, it's just a countdown clock until you're, you know, called a Nazi and asked to leave. You know, I have Holocaust survivors in my family. I'm half Jewish. Like, I'm a Nazi. I'm a gay Jewish Nazi. Yeah, uh, you and Milo both. Although Milo, I think, uh, deserves some of his criticism. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I I think in my I went from being so like twenty years ago. I used to write for Capitalism Magazine. I used to be the editor for Capitalism Magazine a long time ago. And uh, I remember at the time I was called like a Jew lover and a Jew and a horrible Jew and blah blah blah. When um, I didn't know that I was Jewish, I later actually found out that technically I had Jewish blood. Um, major no, apparently, like they, it goes through the mom, right? So apparently, like my grandmother, I think, was a, like secretly Jewish when she immigrated here, and no, didn't tell anyone. So, um, anyway, the point is now I'm being called a Nazi uh, quite a lot. Um, so now that I actually. Uh, could do the Elizabeth Warren thing and claim that I'm Jewish mm -hmm. if I wanted to. Uh, yes. 
Who isn't? Who isn't being called a Nazi? Nazi means not like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, and that's the thing, right? And it does actually mean Antifa. You know, uh, anti-fascist means not not a Marxist. Or sorry, fascist means not a Marxist, right? And that's, those two, uh, I, this is something I picked up on the other day. All the media coverage of Antifa, they will always say that, they were, that it was anti-fascists fighting the far right. That is the language they always use because right. social justice warriors are very deliberate in their language and how they manipulate this. Have you ever seen the mainstream media, like the New York Times or Washington Post, use the term far left? I've never seen that. So anytime that Antifa shows up, it's far right and anti-fascists. I mean, I don't think you can get more far left than Antifa, and their tactics are literal fascism. They are trying to shut down free speech through violence. They, I mean, I've seen it firsthand that, you know, beating some 19-year-old girl in the head with a metal flagpole because they didn't like the lecture she was going to. Like, and yeah. these things are just be, are being institutionalized by mainstream organizations in our country. It's yeah, no, shocking. You're, you're totally right. In fact, uh, Speaking of the gay community, I had a, a gay friend who was she was attacked by Antifa for standing in the wrong spot wearing a "Make Bitcoin Great Again" hat on. So, oh, that's her. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I a funny story. I uh, saw Antifa once in person. That I went to this uh, event that was happening outside in New York, and standing on a street corner was a Hispanic couple, this guy and a girl. He was wearing a Trump hat, and she just had like a, the American flag wrapped around her shoulders. So suddenly these three white, the race will become important in a second. These three white Antifa guys come. They always target women. They always target women every time. So these three Antifa guys come, tackle her to the ground. Um, so her boyfriend like hits them back, defends her. Cops take both of them down. So then the entire crowd was shouting at the cops that like it was self-defense, so they let him go. All's well that ends well. Next day, the Daily News comes out with a piece. And they have a picture of the Antifa guy on the ground who is white, whiter than uh, my pasty ass, like white as snow. <laughs> and they don't say it was self-defense. They don't say that it was a Latino couple that they targeted and harassed. They say that this white Antifa person was targeted for being brown. And they have a picture of him where you see that he is white as can be. And so I posted a thing about that. An hour later, I look back on their site. They moved a block of text over his face, so you can't see as well what color he is. But they still say, "Oh, he was targeting." They left the article in place, though. Yeah, when he was a white guy targeting Latinos because he didn't like what they think. That yeah, is the it's here. Yeah, no, and and I think, um, look, obviously, none of us support violence against uh, anyone, including the media. But one thing that I think a lot of people like about Trump isn't necessarily his politics. He doesn't have principles. He's a pragmatist and he's a popularist. But uh, look, uh, he uh, he hates the media and he calls them out on their shit. And I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, fuck yeah. CNN. Don't send pipe bombs or even fake pipe bombs to CNN. That's yeah. totally uncalled for and undermines your entire credibility and argument against CNN. But like, don't watch them. They, they, they don't give them any... Uh, credibility because they and it's not just cnn it's a lot of these media outlets do this exact same thing that you're talking about so um and you can only see them lie and lie and lie and lie and especially when it's involving people you know because i've seen multiple times that friends of mine have been had the most ridiculous things said about them in the press like just look at it walk away they say it's russian bots that was created by russian propaganda so i'm like right. i wish get me some of that russian money yeah <laughs> Yeah, right. They um they 
So I'll just quickly Sorry. start because I want to add one sort of. No, that's okay. I mean, it's yeah, this is fun. So CNN, did I tell you CNN called in a roundabout way called me a white nationalist because you didn't, no. so the, do you remember back when some groups were planning? It was called the March on Google. It was right after the James DeMorne yeah. event. And um, there were some people on the right who started organizing it. Like, uh, I can't remember his name. It's Chris Sobiak or something. Yeah. Oh, Jack yeah. Sobiak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. So, so he was one of the organizers. But people were doing it in different cities. And I just started this group in Austin. It was called Liberals for Free Speech. And so we were going to head up the Austin March on Google. Um, so it was mostly liberals who were planning on coming to the Austin March. And then um, Charlottesville happened, and CNN ran a piece after that, and it said the headline was like, White Nationalists Plan to March on Google. And we started getting on our page, on the Austin page, we started getting all kinds of crazy hate mail from people calling us Nazis and white supremacists because CNN called us that. And then they, they issued a retraction and they changed it to, and they had a list of all the cities, including our event. They changed it to alt-right plans to march on Google. And I'm like, I'm not alt-right. I'm not even right. No. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, we're just not radical leftists. We're just not radical right. leftists. But I just, I knew the media lied, but you know, we talked about no, how they, they went up to the Iraq war and everything. Mm -hmm. Like we were, I came of age during that, I guess, in a way. So I knew that they're capable of Propaganda, but it was funny to be on that receiving end of it. Like, oh, I'm a white nationalist now. Thanks, CNN. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a good thing that Trump has done. Is I think he has really exposed just how dishonest the media is because we had some, but we had no idea. And, and the thing is, their argument is that we're just supposed to blindly trust them. How when you see them lie and lie and lie, and the solution right. is never. For them to get better, for them to be more honest, for them to earn our, their credibility and earn our trust, it's just for us to blindly follow or that's a thought crime. Yeah. I mean, there's a term for this, and I don't remember what the term is, but um, this is something that if you've been an expert in any industry and ended up um, reading articles on that industry, it really is eye-opening to, to see how... I remember this the first time this happened for me, it was when I was working on... Uh, actually Blu-ray, like literally a long time ago before Blu-ray was out. And uh, I remember reading articles about it that seemed like they were very credible and people would believe them, but were completely wrong, just factually and also just an understanding of everything that was going on. And um, when you see stuff like that, I mean, and probably almost everyone has seen that. They're expert in something and they read about it and see how wrong it is. You got to understand that like, Everything else they're talking about, they're just as wrong. You're just not an expert, so you can't see through it as well. And you really have to take this stuff with a grain of salt because they're reckless, irresponsible, and they certainly have an agenda. So, all right. So let's. I, I want to move on um, and and talk a little bit more really quickly. Well, someone, uh, Mikey, someone asked when your uh, TV pilot is coming out. I don't know if you know that yet, but. Um. We're not sure. So we start in the next couple of weeks. We start production on. We're filming a, a pilot presentation. So basically, like a look at the whole at the first season, or extended trailer kind of thing. And then we're using that to pitch the full show and film the full series. So. And I'll say this: if you guys, even though this Kickstarter is over, you can still contribute on this PayPal because they're very low budget. I think you guys raised like three thousand, which is a very low budget for a pilot. So, yeah, yeah. That's, anything that's anybody wants to control. But um, so yeah, we start filming soon, so we should have that out for people to see around the new year. Okay. 
So, all right. So let's um let's jump into this, Mikey. Uh, I I don't think I'm outing you. You're a gay male who's single. <laughs> um, How dare and, you? <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I got in trouble for outing Carrie as a Christian the other day. So, um, <laughs> I want to be careful. <laughs> what gave you that impression? <laughs> yeah, she mentioned something about church, and uh, so um, anyway, uh, you have, uh, I think, a take on the the gay community and the expectations around their politics, and also uh, maybe a take on the trans community that's not something that I hear normally, certainly not, I never hear it from anyone in the gay community. Can you just give us kind of a, an overview of of what you see happening there and and what the issue is? No, um, in terms of the gay community, I think, you know, you know, in, in our show that we're in, there's a, it's a piece of it where we say, you know, gay people were the original punks, if you think about it in the 70s and 60s. And Historically, that it was all about being rebellious and being countercultural and being a rebel, and it's just the total opposite of that now. There's no room for anything. And the thing is, this goes back to when I was a liberal because it's outside of politics. Even it's not just if you think differently; it's if you don't look how they want you to. If you, you know, if you're over the age of 25 or over 160 pounds, or like don't dress how they want you to, you have to march in lockstep with these people, or good luck to you. Um, and I think that it's a very, especially there's no leadership in the LGBT community that sways people into living healthy lives or making good choices. It's just this hedonistic, uh, self-destructive, toxic behavior that they glamorize and then call fabulous. And it's making people miserable. Nobody will tell gay men the truth. Because if you look at the statistics of anything negative, in the gay community, uh, sexually transmitted diseases, addiction, depression, all these things are skyrocketing amongst gay men at the same time that we have less homophobia and more acceptance than at any point in history. Yet they'll tell you that homophobia is the biggest problem, and that's clearly not the case. Um, why do you think that is? What, why do they, what are they accomplishing from that? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Like, why? Are they, well, I think there's... We're very steeped in it. Once you have an ideology, well, okay, talk about the victim stuff that we talk about. It's all about, here's the thing, I think it's all about being so, you have to be so open-minded that your brains fall out, you know? You can never say, no, that's a bridge too far. Well, you can if it's, uh, if someone suggests there should be a border wall. Oh, yes, of course, but I mean, in terms of things, you know. I think that they, I think that that gay men just been sold this false bill of goods of you know bang everyone, do all the drugs, go out clubbing every night. You're that's great. You're fabulous. You're special. And the, clearly, this lifestyle is making gay men lonely and miserable. And um, yeah, I just think it's similar to what we were talking about, Carter. Mike and I were talking about this um, about how women, if you look at um, self-reported happiness statistics among women and how it's been sharply declining since the 70s. And why is that happening? Why are women becoming less satisfied um, when we have more, we're more equal than we've ever been? Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that they don't want to look at it. They don't want to look at it. But, I mean, when he was describing it, it is the single female lifestyle also that's been advocated right and we're, we're teaching young women and and by the way you know i'm not a prude i'm not saying you know wait to to have sex until you're married and then you know stay in the kitchen uh that's like that's that's not what i'm saying but we are telling young women 
Um, hey, party, have sex as much as you want. You know, spend spend your young years just like I don't know, uh, exploiting your sexual market value and yeah. and using and it think, to party. I think in the amongst gay men, it's just so normalized this idea of just you know, bang ten people a day. Don't and relationships are so. It's like the worst thing. It's they're so demonized and vilified almost. There's no esteem for monogamy or having relationships. Right. And I think here's, here's the thing: it should be asexuality, not. And these people are by the lifestyle of it, and nobody will tell them that it's toxic and it's making you unhappy, and you don't have to do these things. You know, yeah. I think yeah. there's and so it's, much it's toxic whether you're gay or straight or what. It's that's a toxic lifestyle. Yeah, I just think that we don't accept. We don't have the same expectations of gay men that we do with straight people. I feel like a lot of things that gay men do, if a straight man or woman did, they would be totally condemned. You know, I feel like it's such low expectations we have for them. You know, like there was this tweet uh, a couple months ago that went super, super viral and it was picked up by all the gay blogs, and they all wrote, "Oh, you're so brave! How wonderful!" That this guy said. Um, being, or no, said, gay culture is binge drinking and going out clubbing every night into my 40s because my teenage years weren't mine to live. How brave. And nobody will tell club, nobody <laughs> will tell the truth. That, what the fuck kind of culture is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you were commenting also on this. I think part of the reason that we were even talking about this uh, originally a few days ago was this fear of erasing trans people. Um, and uh, because of this memo that that was discovered at Health and Human Services about Title IX, um, what are your what are your thoughts about uh, the trans community, its integration with the gay uh, and lesbian communities, and and kind of the I don't know. Are, are you worried about trans people being erased? What do you think the situation is? Uh, it's all, I'm sorry. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. <laughs> it's all erased. It's all you're supposed to get yourself in trouble, so go. Yeah, let it help it. Um erased, it's all we hear about every minute of every day. There's 0.3% of the population, and it's all we hear about. No, they're not getting erased. Like, you know. However, it should be said, like, you know, I think the trans I think LGBT in general, I think there is a massive backlash coming. Because if you think about it, Gay marriage was successful because it was a live and let live approach. You stay out of my business and I'll stay out of yours. Just let's accept each other, let's coexist. And that's why there was so much support. Now it's like they're just they're taking it to such ridiculous extremes and acting as though they're forcing everybody like you have to like it, you know? Um yeah. and you make that I just, cake. What's that? You gotta bake that cake. Exactly. And they've done this nowhere have they done this more than with the trans community. I think they've done such a disservice. And I've seen a lot of people who now have these horrible negative associations with trans people that they probably didn't have a few years ago. Because the trans community in particular and LGBT in general has just been co-opted by its most radical extreme voices. And they haven't bothered to make any sort of distinction between real transgender people who have always been around and always existed and deserve nothing but you know equality and acceptance and all these things and these ridiculous people i'm sorry but you know a 60 year old man who identifies as a five-year-old girl you are a ridiculous person somebody who says my pronouns are zero and zoo and zoosh you're a ridiculous person and it's nuts and everybody knows it but what nuts. do you but i mean talk seriously about what you think about a gender version two people because that they're the ones that really <laughs> 
So wait, so Carrie, maybe you have some insight into this. My expectation would be that the feminist community would be divided on this because I think a lot of this trans activism um, is undermining um, uh, the progress of women. And the, the examples that I'll cite that are obvious are sports, right? There's a an MMA trans woman who's like been cracking skulls and winning and like beating all the actual genetic women. Um, mm -hmm. And you've seen this, uh, I think, uh, there's another sport recently that I read it about, I don't remember, but um, there are genetic differences and it's really undermining the purpose of, uh, of women's sports and women's events and, and presumably other things as well. Um, if you need a, a woman board member, for example, uh, why can't I just identify as a female if gender is just what I decide it is, right? And so is there is there argumentation in the feminist community? You're now the expert feminist. Uh, oh, is there argumentation yeah. here? What, what's going on? We, you and I touched on this briefly in one of the other videos. Yes, there's a huge split over it between what I would say are the radical feminists who um, are not on board with, with a lot of what I would say is the SJW trans agenda. Because I feel like SJWs are using trans people. Yes. Um, so, so they get called terse. They get called trans exclusionary radical feminists, um, which has become... I feel like some of them, that's the thing. I feel like some of them are also some pretty them, nasty to trans people. But that's are. the thing. I think extremism creates extremism, and the trans community has gotten so extreme that it's creating all this backlash yeah. against them. That I don't want there to be a backlash yeah. against trans people. I want, like, I think if we're more sane and level-headed and reasonable, that we wouldn't be seeing that as much. Well, yeah. If you look at someone like I think her name is Megan Murphy, and she is Canadian. She runs a website called Feminist Current. And she would be, they call her a turf. And basically she's been, you know, cast out of the cool feminism, third wave feminism, um, or fourth wave, whatever it is now. Yeah, I can't keep up. <laughs> so this current wave is basically saying there's no sex or gender differences. You can keep up. So then if there's no which sex is, which is patently anti-scientific. I just want to point out. Yeah. And if 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 sex is, so they, first they said gender is a social construct, then they say biological sex is a social construct. Then so there are no differences between men and women. Right, so then why is there a women's movement? Yeah. What does woman mean? And, right. you know, I was looking at, um, yesterday or before, The Guardian had a headline that was talking about menstruators. I'm like, don't call me a menstruator. Call me a woman. Please. Uh, wait, like a <laughs> wait, so if you're old or young, you're not a woman because... You're not meant to, oh, or if you're pregnant. Uh, you can say that thing where you can't say pregnant women. You just say pregnant people because men can get pregnant too. I looked it up. Do you know how many transgender men have given birth in the UK? Two. How many? Two. <laughs> but it's, it's this idea of like another person's feelings. We talked about this should be the basis for uh, reducing other people's liberty or, you know, there's this idea of like, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and you just keep expanding. Uh, this is that postmodernism. It's kind of like, there's no meaning to anything anymore. What, is, what do words mean? What does woman mean? What does right. gender mean? What is, all of their arguments like contradict one another. Yeah. You know, you find like, and what you were, the point you were making about actually trans people believe that sex is binary. Of course, how can it not be? Like, or how can you say that there aren't two genders you're transitioning from what to what? So I feel like, and here's the thing too, is if you look at all of these people who, you know, 
call, they call anyone transgender today, and like, I think it has given the average person really negative views, where when you say transgender, they don't, they don't think of Caitlyn Jenner, they don't think of Janet Mock, or Blair White, or just like all these trans They think of, you know, a burly, hairy ape of a man who puts on a dress and lipstick and says, my pronoun is Zier, and now I'm going to go use the women's locker room, thank you. Right. Right, I, which is creepy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's a bill now in uh, Massachusetts where it's up for a vote uh, proposition uh, saying that they have to get rid of, I, I'm the expert, that they have to get rid of male and female spaces like bathrooms and locker rooms and they have to all just be all for everybody. And that's what bothers me because I do want to see acceptance and advancement and equality for the trans community. And that's why it bothers me so much because it's hurting that. Like, you know, I 100% think that a trans person should get to use the bathroom of their, their gender identity. However, though, when you say that anyone can say what they are, they say whatever they, what gender they feel they are, and then a biologically physical male can go into the women's locker room, that's a bridge too far for 90% of the population. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that makes it even more complicated is... That ...and get the backlash because of that. Yeah, and I think no, that's you're, really you're right. It's yeah, like, look at Blair White. Blair White is obviously... You don't look at her and think, that's a man. Of course Blair White's going to use the women's restroom. It's not even an issue. It'd be crazy like, for her not to. Right, it's not even an issue. But I think what Mike is saying is now there's this whole, like... Um, I, I've heard them called trans trenders. Yeah, so <laughs> the uh, the people who are kind of like, yeah, like one day I feel this way, the next day I feel this way, and um, you know, like the guy who just won um, the women's cycling competition or whatever, and he—that's what he, it was that I was thinking of. Yeah, yes, and basically he was claiming that um, he shouldn't have to do the, the the estrogen or he shouldn't have to change um whatever it is the requirement is to be able to compete in women's sports that, that would be against his human rights to force him to do that it's like but but you have an unfair advantage right like, no and, and that's the purpose of women's sports and the it's weird the whole yeah. reason that we separated women's sports and men's sports is precisely because there are genetic differences that give men an advantage in almost every sport I think maybe long distance swimming is the only one that it doesn't give Ben a genetic advantage in. So, uh, like that's why we separated them in the first place, right? Um, yeah. and, and the 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 thing to me that that is demonstrates that it's provably non-workable is kind of what you're saying. There's gender fluidity plus an unbounded number of genders, and if you have either one of those two things, but especially both of them, if you've got gender fluidity and an and an unbounded number of genders then you can't possibly ever sort out uh, who goes any of this stuff, who, who like what kind of gender representation there should be anywhere or who's what or who goes in what. But you can't sort any of that stuff out if, if those are if that's the definition of gender, because it's just feelings at that point. Yeah, and here's the thing. I have never heard uh, an explanation of all these other genders, the non-binaries and all these things. I've never heard an explanation of what that entails beyond expression and fashion choices because there's more to being gay or transgender than fashion you still are when the clothes come off when you you know and here's they look like you know an emaciated albino space vampire so clearly i you know dress how you want to dress express yourself how you want that's great should However, we make a gender for you mikey i can i can add that? one i can add a Which gender 
You want a oh, David Bowie yeah. gender I'm added? That doesn't make my own special gender, you know? I think those things, like, you, you do you. Those are perfectly valid ways to express yourself, but that doesn't make it a gender. There are more, you know, of the variety of identities, like, God, job, crappy, and I've never heard why it's, you know? Okay, I have, I have something. So we were talking about the Google memo earlier. Mm -hmm. If you guys go through and read the lawsuit, and... They, they provided all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yes. About that? So oh, yeah. there was something in there in the lawsuit where he lays out all these different things that happened. And one of them was that they were holding employee an employee workshop about um, trans identity where this, this person was talking about how her two, oh, it was about people who are multi-identity. And that one of her identities, it's a large, spacious room that, that's how she identifies as a room, an empty room. And her other identity was like a dragon or something. And <laughs> this is somebody at Google is getting paid. But then, but then take LGBT people seriously. It's very serious and respect yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's a good look for the community. Um, I swear to God, I feel like the a whole LGBT alphabet soup community the past couple of years, I, and same with the left, I feel like it's like the evil scheme by Pat Robertson and the Koch brothers to make us look stupid. <laughs> well, you know, maybe what will happen, which I actually think ultimately, I, I would imagine if, if I were in the gay community, this would be my goal. Maybe eventually there won't be a gay community. There'll just be a community and gay people and straight people will coexist in communities based on their interests, not who they fuck. And yeah. it'll, it won't be a big deal. Maybe. And maybe, maybe we're getting to that point. Maybe gay people are going to start leaving that community because, mm -hmm. uh, it's gone crazy. I mean, this article, that I, I read I, day, they, they, the attack helicopter thing that that gender isn't a joke. I read this article about 63 genders and they, they came to the attack helicopter gender and they treated it seriously. They're like, this is a thing. Some people identify as an Apache attack helicopter. That's literally what I have my gender listed as on Tinder. <laughs> and then I wonder why I don't get matched. There you go. No, but in New York, one of the, they have like, I think, I don't know, 30 or 40 legally recognized genders. And one of them is gender gifted. What's that? Can they I be gender gifted? Respect us. <laughs> okay, here's why I laugh at it. It's complete narcissism. Yeah. It's complete narcissism. And it's like, this is this special, unique snowflake identity of mine. Okay, fine. You do you. But now then, get a personality. But then they say, no, I want you to, I want to change the words that come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. I want you to now call me Zer or whatever. Because it's not just about you be you and I'll be me. It's about... I'm gonna be. I'm gonna make you say what nope. I want you to say. It's this narcissistic controlling kind of thing. And I'm just happy that we got like gay marriage and civil rights yeah. and women voting before these people were around because we have none of that with these. Well, that's probably intentional, though. I think they knew that they they couldn't make themselves look ridiculous in order to achieve any uh, gay rights because you would have people just throwing the whole community away. Um, but yeah. that's why I'm thinking maybe that community is just not for gay people anymore. I mean, maybe that. Maybe it's time to leave. Maybe it should just be a, the gender community and like they can make their arguments on their own, but uh, maybe it should be unrelated. I don't know. What do you think? Is that I'm, a, I'm an outsider? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think my mind is going somewhere else, actually. Do you guys know that 
Have you heard of that documentary, Carter, that was banned? It was a BBC documentary. Oh, God. No, what are you talking about? There was a documentary called uh, Transgender Children Who Knows Best that showed both sides of children transitioning. Genders. Oh, I've heard about this. They banned it. They wouldn't allow it to air. You can't. You is, can it, study is it available? Theory. You can find it online. Oh, sorry. Um, um, I can't remember where. It was like <laughs> some, someone uploaded it somewhere. It wasn't like a... Here's actually what I meant to say. Sorry, it's a okay. little related to that. But what I was going to say is I think this whole thing shifted around the time that gay turned into queer. And they started calling everybody queer. Because, you know, if you think years back, uh, we were trying to get gay marriage and stuff like that, um, the whole mentality was they put forth these boring, normal, relatable gay couples who were like, look, we're no different than you. We're all the same. We all want the same things. And now they, so it's, you know, it was, it took so long for uh, them to get the American mainstream to feel that being gay was just normal and natural. Today, that has turned to calling you know, everybody queer. And the, de the dictionary definition of queer, one of the terms is literally mentally unwell. So you can't say <laughs> that you're normal and natural for being gay and then call yourself queer. It's like you're mentally unwell and strange and odd because you're gay. Or trans, or whatever, any of these things—it yeah. makes no sense to me. You and know, I I'll, I'll be. Go ahead. Sorry, not to rail. I was just going to say. I think we were talking about this before, but I think the thing that bothers me so much about the left in general today, and they do this with black people, with women, with gay people, everybody, is that for me personally, when I was a kid, when I was you know a young teenager and closeted. The number one thing by far, the reason that I was scared to come out of a closet is that you feel like it will erase your entire personhood. You will always be known as the gay guy and nothing else. That people will look at you and see you're gay and nothing else. And that's something you really need to fight past. And so we've finally gotten past that point, and now they are trying to bring us right back to there. We are where we are all defined by you're the black guy, you're the woman, I'm the gay guy. You know? Yeah. And I think well, that's, that's really, it's really the point. Yeah. yeah. I mean... I, I remember like several years ago, I was dating a woman who identified as queer. And this was before I had really thought about all these topics so much. And, um, I, I, you know, at the time, I didn't realize this, but looking back um, and, and, you know, not only did she identify as queer, like we were in that community a lot. So like, you know, uh, the furry communities, the, the like, you name it, we were in those communities and, and hanging out with those people. And, um, you know, and some of them were great, nice people, and and fine. They just had fetishes that were uh, unusual. Um, but uh, something that has struck me since then is that the community seems to fetishize dysfunction generally, right? Yes. So, like any kind of dysfunction was praised and became a fetish and a thing you had to like do and and explore. Um, and that I think is just demonstrably unhealthy. It's all unhealthy. It's all unhealthy. And that's what I was saying before, you know? Yeah. And it's not, it's not making anybody happy. It's, you know, you have, I think you probably, I mean, I can see numbers on this, but I guarantee you that you would have been more gay men alone than any time ever because, you know, you're told just go out and bang everyone and sit on a grinder all day, you know? And the thing is, I'm a hypocrite because I myself am no different. You know, there were times <laughs> I'm a whore, like, I'm just kidding. But, uh, okay. Um, you know, but years ago, I was like, oh, I'm not going to just hook up with somebody unless we're dating and stuff like that. But then eventually, when two years past, you, it just feels like it's what's expected of you. And you're made to feel as if there's something so wrong with you just to say, I'd like to get to know you first. Or if you're waiting for a second 
second date or God forbid a third date to sleep with somebody, you're made to feel like this one time I didn't sleep with somebody on a first date and I was like, no, I'll just let's hang out again. And he literally asked me if I had just had a gender reassignment surgery and that's why. Because that is a more logical explanation to a gay guy than oh my God. waiting for a second date. <laughs> so why so let me ask this question, guys. Um why you know when these kind of things happen, right? It's it's you're destroying a a, a society basically by doing this, uh, by like have, this culture is is obviously very destructive. Who gains yeah. from this? What's the purpose behind like why convince an entire community to behave this way? Um, and I don't think it's just the gay community, but but it is more prevalent in the gay community. Why why convince them to act like this? What's who gets who gains? I mean, I don't think it's premeditated in that sense. I think it's a such a tight bubble and echo chamber and they've never heard that they might be wrong about anything and if you question any of these things oh you're shaming them nothing worse than nobody can feel shame and you know some people need to connect but um you know but i think if you also look at the other side of it and all of these special interest groups the alphabet soup lgbt xyz lmnop semicolon ampersand groups the the black groups, the women's groups, all of them. This is their industry. It is a business to them. They are. It is a multi-billion-dollar industry, probably, and they need to. They profit in victimhood. They need to keep finding victimhood and having people afraid and feeling like victims because that is how they earn their income. They don't want us to all get along. They don't want these problems to go away. They don't want people to feel empowered because they would be out of business. Imagine. So it seems like, like that can only be sustained if you can get people to respond to guilt by giving you money, right? Like, that seems like it's necessary. Which is, I mean, look at the whole Kavanaugh thing. All of these Democrat senators saying, oh, people who are raped and survivors and support survivors by giving me money. Right. Carrie, you They're were going to say something. Emails. What's that? No, go ahead. Keep going. I thought Carrie was about to say something. Oh, oh, no, I was just going to say so talk. Mikey's point about uh, they make a, a business out of it. There's a quote that someone shared with me recently. I'm going to mangle it. It's an Upton Sinclair quote. Maybe you know it. But it, it was basically like uh, it's hard to convince a man of something if his salary, or to help a man understand something if his salary depends on not understanding it. Yes, I, I, I know the quote, not verbatim, but yes, yeah. And that's what I think of like the professional SJWs, whether they're in. Um, I mean, I call them, I mean, they're basically making money off of sexism, racism, and homophobia. Yes. So those things can never end. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine, Sean King would be out of a job. Like, oh, what is he, you know, they they have to constantly look for those things because that's how they make a living. Um, mm -hmm. And so they benefit by, they don't want sexism to end. And let me tell you that the hyperbole and the histrionics that I've seen from the LGBT community past couple of years is I've never seen anything like it. And I'm old enough to remember that, you know, when I came out years ago, it was a different planet compared to now. Back then, truly, there was not one day that would go by without, and I'm, I was in New York City, you know, um, there was, back then there was not one day that would go by without your sexuality being some kind of issue and called into question. That doesn't happen now. You know, sure, every now and then, a couple of times, you know, maybe twice a year or something, you'll have Someone will say something negative or whatever. Who cares? But this is the easiest, most accepting time in human history to be any sort of LGBT. And they act like we're just about to be carted off into the concentration camps. And I think it's really affecting people 
so negatively. It's making people just so paranoid and afraid. They're just encouraging this emotional instability. But you know, it's so true. I think it's also to your question earlier about like why who benefits from this destruction of a community or a society or whatever. I think that there's a part of you know this SJW culture, whether people call it they call it SJW, they call it regressive left, they call it control left. There's a lot of different control left, left, I like that. Control left. But it's postmodernism and it's a, a new form of Marxism built around <coughs> identity politics. But at the core of it, and you and I spoke about this, I think, at the core of it, I think it's nihilism, or some of it is not. Like, oh yeah, I think, think the nihilism is definitely the core, yeah. Yeah, they want to destruction everything. They don't believe in anything. Um, they they thrive on, well, it's certainly in Cuba, I feel like it's fueled by nihilism. Um, they want to destroy the people, destroy capitalism, destroy what all these different things. Yeah, what's they want left to then? What's left? I think they would be happy in the rubble because it's like well, all, we're all equal in the rubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like, well, we're not all equal in humanity. So the, let me ask you this because it uh, maybe this is uh, more evidence for your um, your theory about them making money off of it and needing needing this kind of persecution to persist. Um, it always struck me as weird how the SJW culture, um, at the same, they, and on one hand, they they talk about um, how they're pro-trans and pro-gay, and they really care about gay and trans rights. And on the other hand, they seem to care very deeply about uh, fundamentalist Islam being allowed to uh, being being allowed to exist without criticism. Right. So if you say, which which I believe. Uh, Islam is a horrible philosophy that's oppressive to lots of people around the world, and you shouldn't be a Muslim, right? Now, I'm not saying you should not be allowed to be a Muslim. Like, absolutely, be allowed to be a Muslim. But I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a bad philosophy. But we can't say that, right? But we can't can't talk about, you can't point at Muslim-run countries and say, hey, look, they throw gays off of the top of buildings. Um, maybe, Maybe we should challenge that culture a little bit, guys. Why is I think, I think the word Muslim has come to mean their ethnicity when it, you know, they, it actually But it's, it's a Christian. philosophy. It's a religion. I know. That's why I would say, you know, it is about the ideology, not the people. Well, did you see yeah. the news today, the European Court of Human Rights? Today, oh, yes. The oh. They said, yeah, you're, it's, uh, you're not allowed to be blasphemous, essentially. You're not allowed to make fun of Islam. Does that apply to other religions? I don't. You can't criticize Muhammad. I think the ruling today makes the the Charlie Hebdo like it's it's. Uh, I, I think if that were to happen again, you could go to jail. You can't. I, I think you probably no. can't draw or criticize Muhammad. Just it's, think about that though. In a Western mainstream country in 2018, they are instilling Islamic blasphemy laws. That is why we walk away. That is why we fight against the left because you know. We're not, uh, we're not really right wingers. We're not super conservative. We're not, you know. I hate the far right or the alt right or whatever. Sure. But the thing is, as crazy as some of those people are, they don't have the institutionalized power and the propaganda efforts and all of these things that are and the things that the left is fighting against or fighting against and trying to undo are just so fundamental. What you can say, what you can think, the information you receive, truth itself. You know. That I, that, which is why I find the left to be a bigger threat than the not job right. Well, the person yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Sorry, Carrie, go ahead. You're saying well, something. they don't believe in truth. They don't believe in logic. They don't believe in the concept of truth. 
they don't believe in any, so there's no building blocks on which to even have a conversation. Did you see that college that said truth, the idea of truth is white supremacy? <laughs> Anything they don't like is white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, they, I think they have said, I've seen arguments that math is, uh, is part of the white patriarchy. And, um, and certainly that logic is a construction of an oppressive white patriarchy that we use to control people, um, which is, uh, you know, not only bizarre, but I think ultimately not even a tenable position to take on, on the surface. So uh, is it fair to even, I mean, I almost hesitate in calling these people left anymore. Like, I don't, SJWs aren't leftists in the classical sense at all. Like, yes, they're like more socialist leaning, but they're like, there's something, there's something else. They're altogether. They are like authority. Yeah, they're authoritarian. You know, there's no difference. Like, whether the Communist Party gets together and votes to oppress you or one man oppresses you, it, you're still oppressed. It's still a dictatorship, right? So, I, it, it's not clear to me what the difference between what they want and actual fascism is. No, they're the biggest fascists. And that's the thing. That's why I try to be clear in saying leftists and not liberals, because there's nothing liberal about them. Yeah. You know, um, I've lost a lot of friends coming for me. It was so much harder coming out uh, as a centrist, independent, maybe slightly center right than it was coming out as gay times a million. Um, and the thing is, these people act like I'm some like conservative extremists. I feel like I'm more of a liberal than they are. I'm for free speech. I'm sure anti-war. I'm, uh, you know, I think corporations have too much power. I think all of these things that, you know, like aren't, for example, aren't liberals supposed to be against corporations? Yet they want us to believe every word that's spoken by a media which is run by five corporations in its entirety. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really good point. They worship Nike. I had, during the Super Bowl, I saw SJWs who were like, oh, this Dr. Gamble commercial really touched my heart. And I'm like, There's nothing liberal about them. They're, they're basically pro-war at this point, you know. Trump well, that's the thing that bothers me the most, Mikey. I don't mean to interrupt, but, like, as someone who, like, I'm very anti-war. And the one of the soft spots that I always had for the left, because I was never really a liberal, per se. Like, I was never really on the total left. But one of the things I loved about them is at least they were the ones who would say, let's not go bomb foreign countries. Let's not go to war. They were at least I was like, great, you're on my side for that. At least they're, they don't even have that anymore. Yep. They want war with Russia. Hillary had said uh, she would meet when she's president. She'll meet Russia with a full military response. Like, like Obama had drone Tuesdays or whatever. Right. Like it was like his thing. I I hated George Bush. I think he's the worst president of our lifetimes. Absolutely. I thought nobody could be a bigger warmonger than Bush and Cheney. Obama took us from two wars to seven wars. Yeah, and, and he ran on that. peace. No, because at the time, I just watched MSNBC all day long. I didn't know any of these. You're in such a bubble, and that, I think, is the difference between the left-wing bubble and the right-wing bubble. People complain so much about Fox News, but it's one channel. Flip the channel if you don't like it, you know? Um, and there would be no need for a Fox News type thing if there were balance amongst the rest of the media. So I think that people who are in a right-wing echo chamber are sort of choosing to be in it. Whereas the left-wing bubble, there's no escaping it. It's everything that we're told is objective and honest and truthful. It is every channel, every newspaper. It is as if every channel was Fox News and every newspaper was Fox News on steroids, but just for the other side. And they don't care when it's things that they agree with.
Yeah. And, and, you know, even people like, I, I sometimes worry about being in a bubble cause I, I, I read a lot of, uh, conservative news, but you know, every time I, I wonder if I'm in this bubble, I realize that like, yeah, but I also look at CNN, Washington post media matters, think progress, like, okay. Like, yeah, I, I see the Fox news stuff and the daily caller stuff. But I see the other side too. I don't think that's true for people that are uh, in the SJW world. I, I, it's not your. That's a great point because it's like Mikey said. Like you, I think it's almost harder to be an exclusively conservative bubble because the overall media culture is on the left. It's leftist, so you may have your places that you like to like hang out or get the majority of the news, like Fox or wherever you're getting from. But but you're always surrounded by what the the leftist narrative is so you you necessarily have to balance the two and i think you have more context for your opinions because of that whereas like when i was exclusively in the left it's possible to completely close yourself off and just be in the left and never come into contact with those one or two conservative outlets like okay well i'm not gonna watch Fox. i'm not gonna listen to the rush Limbaugh. and then you have no context for your opinions that's what's funny too is that um all these things, like if you look at academia, how it's all leftist, and the media is all leftist, like they think they're harming conservatives. They're not. The conservatives find each other. They are harming liberals more than anybody in these colleges because conservatives are very, or even people like us, we are very used to having to defend our beliefs. You know, when you're not a leftist, you need to be full time as informed as anyone else. You need to know every fact because everyone will just take any opportunity to make you look like some evil, horrible idiot. But, um, you know, the thing is, though, conservatives are used to having to defend their beliefs, having to know why they think the things they do, knowing facts, knowing statistics, all these things. Liberals are growing up in a space where they are they're wrapped in bubble wrap. They've never been told that they might be wrong about something, that there might be other views in the world. And so they're leaving colleges, and they don't know why they believe the things they do. They don't know how to defend their beliefs. They don't know how to debate, how to have a discussion. They're the ones who are going to hurt themselves in the long run, then. But they're also hurting society because yes. they get jobs in journalism and academia, and they and they don't know how to defend arguments. That's why they turn to ad hominem attacks so quickly. They turn to insults. Um, I meant like politically. Uh, oh, politically. Elections. Yeah, you're totally right. People, people are leaving. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with these midterms. But I have a feeling that. People, the Kavanaugh hysteria pushed people further to the right and also got a lot of people who are already on the right to say, hey, we're going to make sure we vote. That's a scary idea of utopia where there's no due process. It's so scary, the extremism that they want. It's so funny because they see the regressive leftists see everything, everything in such a binary, good or evil, right or wrong. Except genders, <laughs> but um, <laughs> stuff. It's like you know, or just in general, you know, I one hundred percent believe in you know supporting rape survivors and investigating and prosecuting and seeking justice, and I also vehemently believe in the presumption of innocence and innocence until proven guilty. And nobody is going to tell me that I have to choose between those two values. I won't. Yeah. No. I, so what would you tell people? Um. You know, we've got just a couple minutes left here. What, what would you guys tell people who, um, I think there's a lot of people who are Democrats, they identify as Democrat, kind of from a historical perspective, just because they view, you know, Republicans are the uh, eh, big business, pro-war, 
racists, which I, I don't think is accurate, but you know, that, that's kind of how they view the Republican bigots. Um, what would you tell someone <coughs> who's kind of views themselves as Democrat, but isn't really bought into this SJW stuff um, and isn't really sure how to, what to do? Cause the Republican party may not feel like a good place to land. You don't even have to say, I mean, we're not, you know, the thing is there's a difference I think between voting for who you think is the better of two options and being a real partisan member of that party. Um, I would say don't be afraid because, you know, if you look at the tactics of a place like the Church of Scientology, this has all the same things that they always go with uh, social disconnection and fear and keeping you afraid. And the thing is, I think, and I get a lot of messages from people who tell me privately that they like what I say and they agree with me, but they can never say these things. They lose their friends, they lose their jobs, they lose their relationships. So what I would really say is that anyone who's like-minded, remember, because, you know, the first thing they do, like Carrie said, is ad hominem attacks. You're a Nazi, you're a homophobe, you're a racist, you're evil, you're a bad person, all of these things. And I think people are afraid of having these labels put on them. So I would just say, remember that... Honestly, there's no such thing as an insult. Something is either true or it's not true. You know who you are, the people who know you know, and that's all that matters. No, it, these things, if they aren't true about you, they won't be no matter how many times these assholes say it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do understand the concern for social pressure, though. I mean, I have, similarly, I've got a lot of, well, there's not a lot of people in Silicon Valley like this, but there are a number of people in Silicon Valley who, with whom I'm friends who, completely agree they watch the show they listen to the podcast they um have quietly talked to me about all this stuff for years but uh you know they they're like i i can't say this at work like i yeah. there's no way i can and say this and some of them are actually uh powerful like some of them are actually running companies and they're still like well i can't i mean the board will fire me and like i can't say this well, right so, ask questions. look at megan kelly Right, right. I mean, and you look at people like Peter Thiel. I mean, they left Silicon Valley for a reason, um, yeah. uh, partly because because of that culture. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty Here's crazy. A, so, sorry, go ahead, Carrie. I, was, I want to add one thing to that. I mean, I people contact me as well. I think any anytime someone starts speaking up, even just a little bit, you're going to get people contacting you and saying, "I love what you're doing, but I'm afraid and I can't." So I always tell these people, I understand the fear, it's totally valid. I had fear for a long time, but um, if you can get over it, I promise you it's so much, it's worth it. Because anything you think you're gonna lose, once you're on the other side of it, you're gonna gain so much. So much, people who really accept you yeah. too. So yeah. A real I community who, who knows and yeah. accepts you and-, and yeah. And a community that's based on real things, that's based on principles and free thought and who you are that isn't based on, you know, who you sleep with or a crayon color, you know? I would say also, I think, you know, what I really don't understand about Democrats, how they're acting now, is if they don't want to win, they won't listen, they won't admit fault, they won't change direction. And the thing is, I feel like there are a lot of people who sort of try to minimize the walk away movement and what they forget is that in addition, in 2016, in addition to millions of third party voters like myself, there were, the estimate is between seven to 10 million Obama voters who then voted for Trump. And keep yep. in mind that the entire election in a few states was decided by a combined total of about 100,000 something votes. 
So yeah. somewhere between seven and 10 million uh, former Democrats have voted for Trump. What people don't realize is that the 2016 election was decided by walkaway voters. And I think elections will be decided by walkaway voters. Oh, I think you're you're absolutely right. I mean, his base isn't going to vote for anyone else. They may not come out to vote, but they're they're not going to vote for anyone else. Um, and obviously, the radicals uh, on the left are going to vote for the, the Democrats. But uh, it's exactly it's the walk away people, right? Um, yeah, because the left keeps and the thing is the right or even the non left. They're welcoming. They'll talk to you. They'll persuade you. They want you to join. The left, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and they will always excise people from that, no matter what you do. If you agree with them, 99% is not enough. It will never be enough. And they're so willing to cast people aside, but I think they forget that when in us versus them, when the us becomes smaller, the them gets larger. They're not yeah, intellectually Go ahead. Like after the election, there's no intellectual curiosity. They don't want to know why he won. They don't want to figure it out. Who's Russia? And, and so, if you don't understand the phenomenon, then you're not gonna you're not gonna be the perspective. So they just doubled down, and now there's more people leaving, and and they're just like plugging their ears up, like I don't want to hear it. You know, don't understand it. I really don't. Well, I mean, I think you guys hit on it earlier, right? And I, I think they did this to themselves. Um, when they they populated academia for decades with only people who believed uh, the same thing that they did, and yeah. that makes you um, that makes you weak. It's like a it's like a boxer who's like, I'm only gonna hit the the bag. I'm only gonna like lift weights, but I'm not gonna actually like get into fights, right? And then he gets into the ring, and it's like, well, this other guy's been fighting doing street fights for 20 years. He's gonna destroy you, no matter how much you think you're a great boxer. If you haven't boxed. Because you've been just around other people who hand you medals and and just agree with that you're a great boxer, um, you know you grow weak. And I, I think the conservatives have an advantage in that. If you're a conservative in academia, uh, you've had to defend your, or even just a non-leftist, you've had to defend your ideas uh, vigorously, and it's sharpened your skills um, to be able to do that. And the left, I view the left right now as a cornered animal. Right? It's uh, like yeah. they they haven't gotten away with what they wanted to get away with. The, the world is closing in on them and it's fight or flight and they're not flight, they're fighting and they're just fighting by any means necessary. There's a group actually in Berkeley called by any means necessary. Um, and like that's, and if you look at Antifa, it's by any means necessary. If you look at how even the rhetoric, it's by any means necessary. Even Hillary Clinton can't have civility until we're elected. It's, it's any means necessary. And I think that is just a sign of hysterical, uh, fear in the face of what they view as impending defeat. That's positive. So let me ask you a question, Carter. So, so you believe that this part of left is in its maybe maybe its final death throes? I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean it. It doesn't mean that they can't strike a lethal blow and escape. But yeah, I think they feel. I think they f are in their final death throes. Absolutely. Uh, because I think, yeah, because uh, look. Yes, they have a lot of power, but you, like I live in a little bit of a bubble because I'm in the Bay Area, and and but they're very vocal also. So people online think that the left, those the radical left, is a lot bigger than it actually is. Um, That's and true, but I, I think, think people are seeing through it. I, you know, yeah, I think it's the institutions that capitulate to them, though. 
that they've infected the whole media, all of academia, corporations, all of these things. Yeah, but it's but ultimately self-destructive, right? There's a guy I know who yeah. makes money by shorting stock of companies who, once he finds out that SJWs have taken over their HR department, and he makes money doing this, right? Because, like, he's, like... <laughs> Because because what happens is like instead of like the company's direction changes, right? They they have a different agenda, and that agenda will destroy the business eventually. All right. So I was just gonna say though, you know, um, I really think the most underreported story of the decade is what is currently happening on the non-left. It's not even necessarily the right. Um, that it's really becoming this sort of it's not you know republic Bush type Republicans and neocons from years ago. It's people who hate that probably um that it's really becoming this sort of blend of classical liberalism and conservatism and cultural libertarianism all these things that's really young and diverse and in a million ways you know um, that's something that's really shocking to me about maybe a year or two ago the first few times that i went to see a more conservative speaker or something like that i was genuinely shocked because you know i was always told that they're white straight white men and they're you know racists and bigots and homophobes and all these things and so then i started going to see different conservative speakers and stuff and i was shocked that the crowd was so diverse you see every race every gender every sexuality and a lot of them. um and i really think that's the future and that's what where the same people are trending god i'm not one of the same people there's a problem it's out of my mind but um <laughs> Hey, W's you are massively sane, man. You're yeah. Yeah. I think though that that is where the Republican Party will have to move in that direction of being more inclusive and being better at these things, or they're gonna become irrelevant. I yeah, I'm not sure if the Republican Party will do that or if there will be another I mean, I know the Libertarian Party wants to do that, but they're so disorganized and horrible about like actually doing anything. I, I can't see them taking it over. Yeah. I'm not sure the Republicans will do it because they are controlled, I think, by institutional neocons. And so I, I don't I don't I mean, Trump is kind of taking them over, sort of. But I, who knows if that'll last. But there is a real opportunity for basically um, it's the civility dinner party, Carrie. Right. It's the, oh, it's the yes. free speech facility. That's the that's the opportunity. Like, hey, how about for people who just want like some free speech. Yeah. <laughs> like we can argue about other stuff, but how about that? Right. And then right. Where we can have real about, discussions about what to do. I do believe that there are more of us like like if all the whole melting pot that Mike is talking about, if you add all these people up, whether you're conservative, libertarian, liberal, like all of us who are not on the radical fringes, like there's more of us than them. It's just that a lot of us are have been afraid or have been convinced that this crazy kind of leftism is liberalism when it's not. And so so if there's one positive thing I try to keep in mind about it all is that, yeah, there's a lot more of us. We may just, we're not as loud yet. We're starting to be <laughs> the unsilent minority. Yes. Yeah, no, I th and I think it's, uh, Look, I mean, social media and, and the internet helps with that because we can have these kind of conversations. We can communicate with people. We don't have to go through CNN or, you know, look, I, I'll say this about Fox News. They're also biased. I was watching. I watched uh, some of the show last night and it was like I, I hadn't I don't really watch Fox News a lot. Um, So mostly I hear, you know, leftists like, oh, Fox News is horrible. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they're just not CNN. But yeah, I mean, I watched it and I was like. It was like an advertisement for Republicans, and it was like, okay, well, this is all like they're also horrible. Um, yeah. It's just 
you know, they're the only ones that are horrible on the other side, really, of the major media. Everyone yeah. else is is uh, social justice though, NPCs. I think that it's gotten so nuts, though, that, like, there are people on Fox News that you will hear criticize Trump and criticize Republicans. Like, when he struck Syria, a lot of people on Fox News were speaking against him. I don't see anywhere in the leftist media that they will ever criticize Democrats for anything meaningful. Or really or say anything nice about Trump. I mean, Trump's a great polarizing character, right? Fox will criticize Trump sometimes, uh, but I don't. I, will CNN ever say the president did a great job of blankety blank? They like when he struck Syria. That is when they like. Then oh, they all, like that. Liberal, okay, okay. Liberal media liked him because they, they love that Ooh, bombing. Because we love we love bombing uh, anonymous Arabs. That's. Uh, that's just a, a pastime of, of left. That's the thing. We can't talk about their ideas. We can't discuss their ideology, but we can kill them. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Killing them is. Uh, the opposite thing. Let's say, let's discuss ideas and stop killing them. Stop bombing their country, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, bombing them is less offensive than drawing Muhammad. So. Right. There you have it. Uh, I, maybe we should ask the people in the Middle East what they would rather have. Would you like us to draw Muhammad or would you like drone strikes? Um, right. I bet they would have a different opinion than CNN on that. <laughs> so look, uh, I, this has been a great conversation. I think we've, we've gone over our time a little bit, which is great. Um, any final thoughts from either, either one of you? Let's end on something positive. Carrie, you brought <laughs> up so be positive, Carrie. So what's, what's positive? <laughs> um, well, I thought yesterday was really cool just hanging out with all these different people who walked away and made different stories about why and um, and yeah, I'm just feeling like we're at the beginning of something maybe, you know, where it's not, I, sometimes I tend towards pessimism because I do see that this part of the left is controlling so much of me and academia, yeah. um, tech and entertainment and that it seems overwhelming at times but then when you start connecting with people who um, one great thing that the walkaway movement did and that Brandon and Mike did was that they helped no, people. Like Brandon, I just helped. Brandon, they, gave, they gave people a hashtag to find one another. And so like Zach Heen, who we talked to yesterday, he said, I, I, when I saw Brandon's video, I realized it wasn't just me. And I think a lot of people felt that way. So I think that's really positive because now all of these naysayers, all of these wrong thinkers are, were able to come together and find one another and realize that, oh, we're not in the minority. Yeah. Mikey, do you got anything to add? <laughs> no, I'm just negative, Nancy. What's positive? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Carrie. It's great. And I'm really excited for tomorrow for the walk away rally. You're going to see the most lifelike Russian bots ever. <laughs> awesome. I think you should all wear NPC masks. Uh, oh, yeah. It's but, um, that bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think uh, there is some reason to be optimistic. If you're in the Austin area, Carrie, where can they go to do the civility dinners if you want to just meet and oh, talk to people who... Yeah, so we're about, to announce, we're about to announce a November date. Um, so you should go to civilitydinners.com and sign up on the email list, and I'll email you when we have the date picked. And then uh, even if you're not in Austin, go ahead and sign up if you're interested because we are working on plans to try and take the dinners outside of Austin. New York... New York, maybe, yes. She has to come visit me. This girl's the best. Wait, where are you located? Me? I'm in uh, New York City. Okay. Yeah, so no, we should in. have uh, East Coast uh, civility dinners. I should probably have some out here on the West oh, Coast. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it seems uh, we're not big into civility here, but, you know, I can try. Um, 
So, all right, well, cool. So, uh, Carrie and I will join everyone uh, again next week at um, the normal time, Thursday at 11 Pacific. Again, you can follow uh, Mikey the Harlow on Twitter and probably and his his uh, project he's working on is Cigarettes and Valentines. Um, so go awesome. check him out. Uh, I'm also launching a YouTube channel in the next probably two weeks or so that I'm nervous about, but hopefully it'll be good. It'll be, you know, rants, stories, dating, politics, pop culture. Um, I'm thinking of calling it Cigarettes and Soapboxes. <laughs> All right. So check out Cigarettes and Soapboxes on YouTube, <laughs> YouTube hopefully in a couple weeks. But um, um, I, mainly, I don't use Twitter so much, but my uh, main page is my personal Facebook page. So uh, oh, what's that? What is that? Dot com slash Mike dot Harlow dot 18. <laughs> okay. There you go. So that's where to find them. That's that's where to find them. Uh, and Carrie, uh, Carrie, you can follow Carrie at what KS Mama Jamma is that right on Twitter? Yeah, um, KS Mama Jamma. KS Um That's Carrie. Or you know what? Just come see us next week, uh, mm -hmm. next Thursday at eleven, where Carrie and I will be back talking about who knows what, but it'll uh, probably result in getting called Nazis. So <laughs> um, who knows what scary right. will be by this time next week? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining. See you Thank next you time. Thank you so much for having me. This was so great. Sure. Thank you.